welcome to the Learn to Lead podcast brought to you by Ability, an experiential learning company based in beautiful Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Matthew Confer, and today on the show, we have Sarah Canaday, who is a leadership development expert, speaker, and the author of two books, Leadership Unchanged and You, According to Them, Uncovering the Blind Spots that Impact Your Reputation and Your Career. Her work has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, CNN, Forbes, and in the New York Times. Thanks so much for joining us today, Sarah. Glad to be here. Thank you. I want to kick us off with a recent piece you wrote that highlighted three strategies for leadership communication. Number two on the list was, quote, modern leaders don't just present facts, they tell stories. So why is storytelling so important? Well, I think for starters, it is the most memorable, uh, you know, memorable way to share information. And it's a way to draw people in. Um, people relate to stories more than they relate to facts and statements. And stories are more sticky, you know? I mean, if you think about any experience you've had where somebody shared just, you know, 30 minutes worth of data or messages. Um, if you're asked to recall something in that 30 minutes, if there was a story in there, the likelihood, and this is proven by behavioral scientists, the likelihood of you remembering anything <laughs> is that you'll remember the story that was shared. Um, because, you know, our, our brain literally lights up more so when we are um, reading a story or hearing a story uh, versus just a set of facts or messages. This is a, a fascinating time for all of us as the events from the last year from a global health perspective definitely shape what leadership and work is going to look like in the future. And another one of your articles talked about that, and it talked about the hybrid workforce where flexibility is going to remain key for leaders, but also for employers as some continue working remotely and others come back to the office some of the time. What is something that leaders can do to be prepared for that? What sort of structure should we put in place? What sort of skills should we be developing as a leader to thrive in that hybrid environment? Yeah, you know, every time I get asked this question, I, my first reaction is to say that, you know, 2020 was really hard on leaders and managers. Um, if, if they haven't been through enough, you know, the pivots, the on-call hours, uh, the shifts, the, the worry and, and the stress of their employees, now, you know, they're going to face a new challenge. And, and that's how do you lead in a hybrid world? And, and how do you even make that work? And so, you know, I think there's, there's a couple of ways to look at this. But first and foremost, if you're a leader who is involved in the conversation about how to bring people back, one of the things I'm suggesting to leaders is that instead of making the plans in a vacuum, that they put together a, you know, a, a, a group of people, um, like a focus group of employees, and they spell out all the business imperatives that still need to happen and get everyone's opinion about how to make that work 
in a hybrid environment. And, and I do, I encourage that because I think employees are going to be, you know, hard pressed to go back. They're going to dig their heels in. Um, and in some cases, it's going to be more of a preference than a need. And I think so that everyone can see, look, we still have business imperatives we've got to meet um, and then let them answer it. So how do you propose we meet these business needs while at the same time, um, you know, making room for your needs and your preferences? You know, because I, I do think that's gonna be a problem. Um, but if employees can see the business case for coming back, if they're essential, if they have to have a set of operating hours that's open to the public, either via phone or face-to-face, -face, then arm them with that. Um, entrust that they can handle the information. And I think that will set the stage for a more collaborative plan and more patience on both sides of the coin, leader and employee. When you look back at the past year, year plus, what surprised you the most about how organizations you work with, clients you work with, responded to the challenges? And what do you think are going to be some of the lasting imprints from this time on how we work? Yeah, well, you know, it, it may sound trite, but here's what I noticed, that the companies who were already um, thinking about their employees, making their employees well-being top of mind, did very well. They pivoted well, they communicated well, they uh, offered the right resources, they upped their resources in some cases, and the companies that paid less attention previous to COVID about their employees' well-being, about the way they communicated to their employees and to their customers, did, didn't do as well, right? Um, you know, there may have been some companies who stepped it up uh, and, and surprised us, but for the most part, I think you saw a track record that only highlighted and illuminated the companies that were good at this to begin with uh, and vice versa. I want to switch gears a little bit. And I, I talked about your bio in the introduction. And one thing that I always like to do is put out on Instagram questions and, and tell people who our upcoming guests are and then ask them for questions. And I, and I did that with your upcoming appearance. And one of the questions that I got was, was there a defining moment in getting you to the place that you are today? And we've gotten that question on a few occasions about some of our guests. So when you think back to early in your career or before you even had the career that you had, is there an event? Is there a moment that pops out that was a defining moment in getting you to the place you are today? Yes, there was. Um, it was when I graduated from business school and I interviewed for a, oh gosh, I forget what they call these, but it, it, it's, a, um, it's like a rotation program, but it is for, you know, it, it's for, for getting right into their management program. And it's, it's a management rotation program with a firm that was highly reputable uh, highly credible, and a dear friend of mine in the same program, we both interviewed for it. Uh, needless to say, he got the position I did not. And that was a defining moment for me because I think it just, while I was really disappointed, 
it, it just propelled me that if I wasn't going to go on that track and, and be in a, you know, a fast track management program, then I was going to make it happen for myself. Um, and I was going to try to figure out, even if I, you know, took a position where I had to work my way up, um, I was going to try to do it faster and try to give myself more experiences and, you know, raise my hand for more things that I wasn't quite sure I was ready for, but anything to get me to have that similar experience. Um, but that was very, that was, uh, that was a defining moment and there were plenty. <laughs> As, as a leader and as a business owner, what do you wish you had more time for? If I could carve out an extra few hours a week for you to spend on the business, where would you like to spend it? Oh, gosh, learning. Um, I would, you know, it's probably very typical of a business owner, but there are a couple of conferences I would love to go to. But every time I think about it, um, there is, you know, business at hand. There's a deliverable I need to complete. There's a client who wants me on their site. There's a speaking engagement. Um, and so it, you know, those kinds of things go to the side. You know, I do read a lot. Um, so that's something I can do, you know, on my spare time. But to literally just carve out two or three days where I'm immersed in some new learning is something that I would love to do. That's almost a perfect answer to lead into my next question, which is something that we hear from a lot of our listeners. It's about kind of productivity more broadly. And, and you talked about all of the levers pulling on your time of things that you could do. Do you have anything that really works for you from a productivity perspective, how you organize your day, how you organize your week, what you choose to focus on, any tips, tricks, tools that you use to make that more successful? You know, it's interesting, but ever since um, the work from home uh, situation now, you know, I've always had a home office and then I travel quite a bit. Um, but, you know, once we were sort of in lockdown mode, one of the things that I had started to purposely do is to change my scenery. I didn't realize how much, you know, being in the same home office could dampen my creativity and, and just, you know, seeing things with fresh eyes. So I have taken to, you know, going to an outdoor coffee shop. Heck, I've even just put up a little, you know, card table in my garage and, and let the garage door open. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's a change of scenery for me is usually when I have to be more creative, when I'm working on a deck for a presentation, when I'm working on a workshop and I need to um, completely deconstruct a course. Um, that's one of the best uh, things that I can do for myself. And I, I think others find that it works for them as well. Um, I also, you know, usually am an avid walker. I used to get up in the morning and go, especially in this heat. Um, but in the fall and even early this year, I took to changing my schedule and walking midday or mid-afternoon. And I did that because I realized that we aren't putting any buffers between our Zoom meetings. And 
I needed some time to just digest some of what I heard, some of the notes that I took in my meetings and, and just let them sort of percolate. And that happens usually when I go on a walk, that's where I get a lot of my thinking done. And so I've taken to doing that later in the day um, and you know, whatever it is for you, it could be a bike ride, it could be a coffee break, right? Um, anything to sort of catch up with everything you've been hearing, reading, note-taking on so that you can maybe make connections you didn't make in, in the moment because you're, you were so busy scrambling to, to the next thing um, or prioritizing or frankly, separating the signal from the noise. I, I would definitely echo the sentiment there. I think one of the more interesting things that, that I've noticed is as many of us have, have gotten rid of the commute, we've, we've lost some of the times to digest or some of the times to think as we move right into the workday from the couch or the bed to the home office. So I, I absolutely love that tip. And, and I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about LinkedIn. You're incredibly prolific on the site. You have a very popular newsletter. You're very active. Is there something that you could give our listeners as a strategic tip for them to maybe utilize LinkedIn in a way they haven't considered it before or become more active on the platform? Sure. I mean, I think, you know, I would share uh, the same advice that, that I was given and that I read about when I was first starting out on social media. And that is, you know, I think first you have to engage with others um, by providing, you know, your own perspective, right? So, so rather than just being a one-way uh, communicator on LinkedIn, for example, and posting, find ways where you can engage with others who've already posted, share your perspective, offer your help, um, and when I say offer your help, I don't mean literally, you know, offer to do work, but offer your advice based on your given situation and your experience. Um, oftentimes that's what people want, even if they just post their thinking, they just want others to, to chime in. They want other ideas and perspectives. Um, so I would start there before you get to the point where you feel like it's a one-way uh, communication portal. And then from there, I think you've built a community and, and then people want to hear your perspectives more than just a quick response, but maybe something of more length. Um, and then invite people uh, to come in and join your conversation. So it starts, you know, you join the conversation with others and then you invite people to join the conversation. And then of course, trying to add value. Um, you know, some people might say that, that some of my material isn't qu quite as personal as, as they might like. And, and I always try to think of that when I'm writing, right? Mm -hmm. um, something personal that happened to me uh, because it, it's, again, it's a story. It compels people, it engages people. But I end up, even if I do that, always sharing tactics and strategies. And again, I think it's because I'm out there with leaders so much who, you know, it's, it's one thing to talk theory. It's another thing to, to say, how do I operationalize this? And that's what leaders really need right now. 
So you mentioned that you're a voracious reader. So before we shift to the final two questions that I ask everybody, I would love to ask you, what are you the most curious about right now? It can have something to do with the work that you do, or it can have absolutely nothing to do with the work you do. What are you the most <laughs> curious about right now? Funny, um, I just read about a new book that I'm very curious about. Um, and I think it's called The Serendipity Principle. Um, and the reason I'm so curious is, is I picked up on this idea when I was researching for my book. Um, and, and I did talk about it in my book, but there's so much more to it. This idea of how to make seemingly disconnected things connect, but connect for purpose, connect in a way that leads to micro innovations, connects in a way that, that helps others put things together that make sense. Um, and so there's this new book, it's kind of like, you know, how to be an accidental connector um, because some people are just naturally very good at it. And that's why they come up with brilliant ideas and innovations. But uh, according to this book, you can actually teach yourself um, to be more of, of uh, a person who puts pieces together that sees patterns uh, where others might not see them um, and sees connections. Well, that is a wonderful spot to shift to our final two rapid fire questions that I get to ask all of our guests. And question number one is this, if you could describe your leadership style in just one word, what would that word be? Oh gosh. And I'm going to pull from, you know, classic more theory of leadership, but it's called pace setting, the pace setting leader. Um, and I'm picking it because I think the word you asked me to pick one word and I think it means a lot of different things. Um, I think I, you know, pride myself on, on sort of modeling what it means to be a good leader. At least that's what I try to do. Right. But not just in deliverables and performance, but also in behavior. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm also, I have high expectations of myself, but I, I also have high expectations of others. I have been you know, leader in corporate where I will tell you that half the people that reported to me were sharper than I was, could do more than I could. So I've, I've always been humbled by people's talents. And so when I say high expectations of others, it's because I believe, I believe in their skills and talents. Um, so yeah, I would say pace setter. That is perfect. And the final rapid fire question is this, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? It was from a business coach that I was going to hire years ago when I was two to three years into my new business. I also had two small children and I had my conversation with her over the phone and I was rattling off a number of things that I needed to do for my business, wanted to do. And I said, I needed to hire her, I thought, to help me prioritize <laughs> And she stopped me dead in my tracks. And she said, you know, Sarah, I don't think you need me. I don't think you need help um, with all of these things you want to get done. I think you know exactly what you need to do. You just need to focus on one thing at a time. Sounds simple, but <laughs> it was one of the best things that she could have said to me at the time. 
Well, that is a wonderful piece of advice to close us out today. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can our listeners find out more about you? Um, they can find out about me at my website, sarahcanaday.com. They can certainly find out more about me on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, but yes, the majority of my time I spend on LinkedIn. Um, and for whatever it's worth, uh, I will tell you that the book that I was trying to think of is called The Serendipity Mindset. Again, it's, it's a brand new book. So I thought your listeners might be interested. Well, perfect. Thank you so much for that recommendation, all of the great insight. And thanks to all of our wonderful listeners for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's show, we would love a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. Taking an extra minute to rate and review our show really helps out. And of course, we truly appreciate it when you share our show with somebody from your network. You can find me on social media at Matthew Confer, and you can find our show on Instagram by searching for Learn to Lead Podcast. Our podcast is produced by Ability, which you can find by searching for Ability Leadership Development. And make sure you also check out our 12-week fully virtual mini MBA, which is now entering its third year. This mini MBA is a nights and weekends program that features experiential learning, mentorship, case studies, and networking. We now have a robust alumni network and you can find more information at invitedmba.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so that you get our next episode. And I want to thank all of you for joining us on the Learn to Lead podcast.